Welcome to the Success Journey Show. Let's travel together through the lives of individuals on the road to success. Hey, what's going on, world? We are back with you again for another week of the Success Journey Show, man. We are so glad to be with you. This is Ricky Ventures, and I'm here with none other than Marlon Madden. Marlon, what's good, bro? Yo, I'm chilling like a villain, my brother. I hope, you, hope you're not chilling as much as you were a few weeks ago, man. Oh, no, nah, no. Nah. My body kind of got um, acclimatized to the, to, the, to the weather over here leaving Cali, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah, and, it, yeah, and, it got, and the weather over here has been a little better. Yeah, um, yeah. No, and, and, and I'm wrapped up a little more. Yeah, wrapped up. <laughs> got the long johns on, man. Oh, yeah. Got the long oh, yeah. oh, yeah. Hey, hey, and you know, I'm, I got to tuck it in my sock because I'm a Marine, man. I can't let people see I got long johns. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, man, because, you know, my son, man, he's just like in love with long johns right now. One of my sons. <laughs> You know, every time he gets home from school, like he just strips down into his long johns. I'm like, yo, what is, like, what is going on, man? <laughs> Crazy. Hey, Crazy. He doesn't have like tons of pairs of long johns. So my uh, Nicole looked down the other day. I was like, man, like, he, like, he, well, how many times are you gonna re- wear those long johns, man? That's, this is the last day, man. That's it. You know. <laughs> yeah, man. They so put on your long. other pajamas, man. But yeah, they they love themselves from long johns. But hey, they definitely keep you warm. They definitely do. keep you warm. Hey, we do it in the military too. We just call it um cold weather gear. Yeah, there you go. Something fancy. Yeah, we have something fancy for it. We just call it cold weather gear. We don't want to call it long johns. We call it cold weather gear. You, you know, it's funny. Cause I remember back in the day, man, before they even came out with the Under Armour. Man, my mom put us on like tights. We we're playing football, <laughs> and yo, I was in love with some tights, man. Every time the temperature dropped, yo, I said, "Yo, I gotta get my tights, put my tights on, man." <laughs> so I'm sitting there practically stockings out there playing playing football, and uh, but I was before the, the Under Armour joint came out and made it cool. But I I, I want to believe that I helped Under Armour you know, become what it is today. Because even though they didn't know it was Under Armour, you know, it looked, had that same look to it. So yeah, man, I'm, I'm going to hold on to my tights to the day I die. Man. I, I don't wear them now, but you know, I, I definitely will advocate for them. You can say whatever you say, man. Yeah. I know you are. <laughs> but yeah, man, we going to get on with it. Get on with it today. Um, we got another great guest for everyone today in the world, man. Um, this guest, man, he's a close friend, close brother, family um, to us, man. His name is Earl Campbell, not just Earl Campbell, Dr. Earl Campbell. As the first black advanced endoscopy fellow at Yale University, Dr. Earl Campbell is already on his way to a promising career in the medical industry. Doctor, how you doing, man? I'm doing well, man. I'm just, just trying to process what I heard a while ago. <laughs> the, whole, the, whole, the whole stockings and football situation. Uh, <laughs> hey, man, don't knock it till you try it. <laughs> I've heard that before. <laughs> Yo, oh, man. Earl, man, thanks so much for joining us on the Success Journey podcast, man. Uh, no oh yeah, absolutely, bro. Absolutely. Glad to, glad to be absolutely, here. man. Hey, man, why don't you start off just telling us a little bit about yourself, and then we'll just d- jump right into it. Gotcha. Yeah. So I'm currently at Yale University, uh, completing my gastroenterology and hepatology fellowship. I'm in my third year right now. 
Uh, so gastroenterology is the study of uh, the digestive tract and hepatology is specifically the liver. So uh, those all work together and I'm specializing uh, right now in order to kind of get to that point uh, after college, I went to did four years of med school. I did that at uh, University of Maryland. I went to Howard University for undergrad and then University of Maryland for med school. Uh, and then I stayed at Maryland for my residency where I was there for three years. I was fortunate enough to be selected as a chief resident. So I stayed there an additional year. Uh, and then after finishing that, I moved up here to Yale uh, in Connecticut in 2016. Uh, and I'm now in my third year fellowship. I'll be staying on. I would be third years, three years total for the fellowship. So I would be, I will be completing that in 2019 next summer. Uh, but I also matched to stay an additional year um, for an advanced fellowship, just, fo just focused on advanced interventional endoscopy. Um, so when all is said and done, it sounds like a lot, you know, <laughs> med school and then about eight years of training after that. So yeah, about 12 years after college, you know, I'm in my 30s still trying to, you know, <laughs> still grinding. Man. Yeah, man. Hey, so, respect. It was, it was, it just, when I was saying it out loud, I was like, man, this is just tiring. Just. <laughs> I was like, man, this is getting worn down this evening. Let's just talk about Oh, man. So you said, at, so all the numbers that you gave us was asked after your undergrad, under, after undergraduate, right? So, yeah. So, uh, so 12 years after undergrad, when, I, when I'm finishing everything, I'm in, in that eleventh year, right? My now. goodness, <laughs> my and, and, and then some, some, some. One day, somebody's gonna um, you're gonna be a doctor somewhere, and and, and somebody's gonna second guess you. <laughs> <laughs> After twelve years, doctor, you sure? You sure, doctor? I need to get a second opinion. <laughs> <laughs> but WebMD said, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so man, so sixteen years in total. When you get done, you will be in school, man. Like some people can't even fathom that, like. 16 years. I mean, everyone, some people are struggling with just saying, I got to go to school for four years. I know some people that are struggling to say, I got to go to school for two years. Some people don't even want to take mm -hmm. a six month certification class, but yet mm -hmm. you've been doing Mercy. this thing for, for almost going to be 16 years at the completion, <laughs> man. What's the, what's the secret, man? Like how do you stay focused and locked in for that long? Well, the good thing is, so, you know, the four years of college, four years of med school, the, the additional training afterward, I mean, it's your job as well. You know, you get paid, you don't get paid a lot. You know, you get a little something to help you get by to keep moving. Um, but I feel like people feel that when they're, when they think about all the training that you have to do after med school, they think that your life is on hold during that period of time. And it's not, I mean, I got married right after, um, or about three weeks after I graduated from med school. Mm -hmm. Um, and then my first year felt halfway through my, a little bit more than halfway through my first year of fellowship, my wife and I had, um, a set of twins, you know, one boy, one girl. Mm -hmm. So it's not like I'm waiting until I finish all my training before then I decide I want to have a family. Uh, I know probably, you know, the training for me has been long. I know it probably seems even longer for my wife because I've been training the entire time we got married. Mm. Um, but yeah, you just, you know, if you're thinking about getting married, you don't have to fill them in on all those details from the beginning. You know, <laughs> you just got to lock it in. You know? 
And then, you know, it's like, well, you know, this, these are these are what the vows that we said. <laughs> so you're in there for the long haul, you know? So I keep telling her, baby, just stick with me. I know we got married in 2012, but, you know, I got you back in 2012. <laughs> Yo, can I hold two dollars? She's a doctor and a comedian, man. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so, like, so, okay. Hey, so, oh man, I don't even know. Hey, I but, think Earl forgot one of the biggest things to tell everyone, man. Um, you know, hey, I have to apologize to the people out there because if me and Earl just start breaking out in some patois, you know, I'm saying both of us are from Jamaica. So if we just talk, start eat, talking about some rice and peas and chicken, you know, just mm-hmm. just just Ricky, mm-hmm. Ricky, just pretend like you know we talk. About <laughs> yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. And even that, even that is a whole other complicated. They're not even complicated, but you know, my parents are from Jamaica. After they got married, you know, they moved to the Bahamas. They lived there for a oh, few wow. years. I was actually born born there mm. before we moved to the to the states. Mm. So people ask where I'm from. Sometimes it's like you know you want the long or the short answer. <laughs> wow, wow, wow. <laughs> so so tell us about just. Before you started the journey and getting in, you know, when you're transitioning from high school into college, mm-hmm. did you know that you were going to go into medicine? Was that your the desire? So I knew I was going to go into medicine, but interestingly, it was veterinary medicine. Uh, um, so pretty much from when I was a kid up until the summer after my freshman year of college, I was pretty set that I wanted to be veterinarian. Um, that summer after my first year of college, I was working at a, the surgical research lab down at Vanderbilt that summer. So I got to work with the animals and some, some veterinarians, you know, DVM doctors of veterinary medicine, as well as, uh, some MDs and, uh, just in discussing with them, I kind of just decided kind of hit me that summer that I wanted to use my interest and my skills to, to help humans. I feel honestly, if I did you know, still pursue veterinary medicine. I I still would have enjoyed it, mm. but it was just, you know, at that point that summer, I decided that I wanted to pursue a MD instead. So fortunately, you know, it still was the same biology major that I was pursuing and same prerequisite. So it didn't really affect anything in that regard. Okay. I was always interested in medicine. It was just a different uh, route that I was pursuing initially. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Hey, so um, Earl, with, with your parents, um, and I don't know what kind of, um, you know, occupation your parents then did or do. Were they pushing you to go to medicine or did they did they make you make that decision on your own? <clears throat> no, actually. So so my parents are both in the medical. Field. Oh, wow. So my my father's a physician. He's a pulmonologist. Oh, wow. And my mother is a, uh, a pharmacist. Mm. But the I think the greatest the great thing about them was they never pushed me in one direction or another in terms of saying, oh, you have to be in the medical field. Mm. Um, in fact, my younger sister, she's an attorney, you know, but we, we still love her. You know? <laughs> hey, you're going to need her, man. You're going to need her. <laughs> hopefully not. Yeah, yeah. But, or maybe hopefully maybe just for some contract review. Yeah, no, no, that's, that's what's up, man. But you, you would think that, I mean, and with both your parents being medical uh, doctors or not medical, medical doctors, but both being in medicine, how mm-hmm. did it influence you? Even though they didn't push you, how did it influence yeah. you when you were making that decision? Gotcha. I think, you know, 
part of the thing that affects what we're interested in going into, you know, is exposure. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's one of the big things that we lack in our communities. A lot of people, how are you going to ask them to be something that they're just not exposed okay. to? You know, so being exposed to that in my home, you know, it was never like, hey, you should do this, you should do that. But, you know, probably just being exposed to that and seeing what my parents did, you know, that that may have played a, a role as, as well, mm-hmm. um, for sure. And And even deciding to pursue medicine, the fact that I had two individuals in my household that had obtained doctorate deg- degrees in the sciences, you know, I knew that it was possible. Yeah. So I've interacted with multiple individuals on social media and they don't really have uh, that exposure or examples in their, in their life. And so that's one thing that I think is just, I mean, I don't want to go on a tangent on this, but it's beneficial about social media is that it now allows people to see other examples of people that look like them in the fields they may be interested in that they probably would have never had exposure to, um, if it wasn't for the far reaching, um, arms of, of social media. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that's, that's what Rick and I are trying to promote with this podcast Yeah, is, is the one, one thing that we what we're trying to promote is that no matter your circumstance, no matter your environment, if you mm-hmm. have drive, if you have a dream, a drive, mm-hmm. the discipline and the diligence mm-hmm. and, and that hard work ethic, um, you know, background, you'll definitely be able to be successful. Exactly. Exactly. Thank you for listening to the success journey show. Please follow us on our social media on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook at the success journey show. Also check out our website at the success journey Thank you for listening and enjoy the rest of the show. And the more exposure, like you said, the more exposure they get on a daily basis, man, just really makes the one, it makes their dreams seem much more achievable. Exactly. You know You're seeing regular people that are down to earth, you know, that are doctors, that are lawyers, that are own businessmen, you know, that are teachers or whatever, yeah. whatever it may be, you know, yeah. you're able to see it, new, uh, rocket scientists, you know. Um, you're able to see them in their daily lives and you're like, wow, you know, they're, they're normal people. Yeah. I can, I can be that. I can do that. And Ricky, so, your oldest, your oldest son is how old again? Nine. Nine. So when he was born, who was the, it was, Obama was the president, correct? Yeah. 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 So it was just Obama like was crazy just to yeah. think, you know, all three of your children from, for the early years yeah. from when they were born up until, that's you know, all recently, they know. that's all they know. You know what I mean? This drastically different change from, from us, you know, growing yeah, up. Yeah. 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 And yeah. You yeah, have yeah, this yeah, major yeah. example right there on the TV every day of, you know, the leader of the free world as some will call it as the, is someone that looks like them, you know, Correct. that affects young minds more than, than people realize. Absolutely. Absolutely. It becomes, it becomes a norm to them. Mm-hmm. It's a norm to them mm-hmm. versus it was an anomaly for us, but for them, it was a norm. And all my children, you know, they're born, you know, 20. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're, you know, all they, uh, this, this, <laughs> you know, they're only 21 <laughs> months old. So we can discuss that another time. But. Yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> hey Earl, um, I I know it's not all peaches and cream going through all this stuff, and a lot of people peaches you, and cream. Yeah. Mercy. <laughs> 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 you say something else? <laughs> but, no, I'm sorry. I'm just I'm making sure I'm, I'm staying. I'm focused. I'm focused. <laughs> all right. So because a lot of people, you know, some people just say like my sister's a lawyer, right? Mm-hmm. And 
because she, ever since she was younger, we knew she was a smart, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So we're just like, oh, she's going to be a doctor, lawyer, because everybody just said, oh, wait, well, it's easy for Waverly. It's easy for Waverly. They give mm -hmm. that, oh, it's easy for you. Well, I couldn't do that because I can't do this. So tell, I want people to understand that you go through your hard times too when it comes to this route or this journey that you're on. Oh, yeah, definitely. I failed passing during med school. Uh, <laughs> for sure. I would just go home and just go to sleep because <laughs> my sister would joke on me about that to this day. So how I just go home to sleep. I mean, for example, because during my second year of med school, so we had these two blocks. It was called it was called functional systems, like part one and two. So each block is comprised of three tests. Right. So no matter what your final average is, if your average is passing for the block, as long as you you have to pass, you can only fail one test during that block. Mm. So say you got two, I don't know, like 69s and you got like a 90 on the last test. And so your average was, you know, over 70 passing. If you fail two tests, that's it for the block. And then you probably, if I remember correctly, you have to repeat that whole year. Mm. Right? Mm. So if that block starts functional systems, I go in there, take the first test, I fail it. <laughs> so now, <laughs> so I'm stressed, right? I have two tests for, remaining for that block. I can't fail another one. So I'm just grinding, grinding. I do pass the second test, do well in it. Third test, pass it. I'm like, whew, like I'm in the clear. <laughs> Functional systems, you know, uh, section two is coming up. So like, I'm, I'm good. So then me being me, I kind of, you know, my RM clear, I'm kind of chill. You know, just chilling. And I failed the first test again. Oh, my for the next God. Block. Oh, man. So I'm just like, how do I let this happen again? I got like, you know, I was just like, oh, OK, I'm good now. Select off and then fill that first test. So then I had to, you know, stress it for the second test again. And then the third test. And, you know, Lord willing, it all worked out. But I mean, you, you're then looking at like a whole half of a year, basically, you know, going through those blocks where after that first test, you're now it's like do or die, you know, in a sense for the next two tests. And I put myself in the same situation again for the next block. So but it all worked out and I was able to get through and and, you know, still stay on track to finish in the normal time. So mm. tell me, you, you know, you, you, you told me that, you know, you failed and you failed and, you, and your mm -hmm. first response was to, you know, go to sleep. And the reason why I asked you that question, is because, you know, we had a, a, someone on our podcast uh, guest on episode number two, Carlos Hernandez. And he talked about um, get, when he went through rough times, he would give himself 24 hours to rebound. And at that 24 hours, it was like, boom. Let, let's go. Whatever happened, happened. Now let me get to it. So tell me on, on your end, like mm -hmm. when now you fail this test, you know, your back is against mm -hmm. the wall. You go yeah. to sleep, you know, in depression or whatever, just forget about it. <laughs> <laughs> like, what do you do when you wake up? <laughs> Man, that day, I pretty much, I mean, cause that was a, the test day. I pretty much just chilled and did something fun that day, you know, with classmates and then reset and I was ready to go the next day. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and, and when you when you when you say ready to go the next day, because I, I listen, man, I've been in that those shoes, man. Like, were you like more tense, more laser focused, more like, all right, I need to pay attention to this material a little bit better? Do I got study harder? You mentioned you mentioned about distractions earlier. To, to, let, let us see the picture of it, because there are a lot of students that are out there, man. They they don't know what it means to to lock down and get laser focused. 
Yeah, so uh, for for me, it was so our class structure, fortunately, was we only had like half a day of class. Basically, we had two hours of lecture and then we'd have two hours of small group. Um, so it worked for me because my attention span is short. So um, we just two hours of lecture focused on that. And then really it was more so coming down to the time that I took to review the material in the, in the afternoon. Um, you know, I do everything from just talking with other people, goofing off, just, you know, being online, just everything, but studying. Like I was the kind of person after class and I'm there, I'm, you know, maybe on Facebook and talking to other people at school. And then it starts getting like late dark. I'm like, Oh man, like I got to review this material because <laughs> how the structure, how the structure was in undergrad, you can get by, you know, just, you know, playing Madden and then like the night. <laughs> oh, I probably shouldn't say that. Um, <laughs> Um, and then like the night before, you know, just cramming and then take it. And, you know, I've pulled some all nighters and then like I look back on undergrad, like I don't really look at it as like there's times you're doing papers and it's kind of stressful. But it it really it was very doable, I'd say. Yeah. And then we get to med school. And if you go in there kind of with that mentality, it's tough because you should be each day you should be like learning that material that that was taught to you that that more earlier that day mm. because it's just so much material that you're getting and then you're going to get a lot more material the next day so you want to try and get it down each day mm-hmm. um for example like we'd have anatomy right so we do the all anatomy and i think it was about a 10 week block so we'll just have one lecture hour one hour lecture that's like the arm and another hour lecture that's the leg and the next day you're on to the whole new body. And there's so many, there's bones, vessels, nerves, lymphatic system, and you're learning, you know, so, and then you're moving on to completely another system, you know, body part the next day. So like, you know, it's you probably heard this a million times, but the saying that people were, you know, drinking out of, uh, or in college, being in college is like drinking out of a water hose and then uh, med school is like drinking out of fire hydrants. <laughs> it's, it's, it's definitely real. Just the amount of information that's tossed at you. So you can't pull a, oh, you know, I'm just going to cram for it the night before the test or like the end of the week. There are very special individuals that I've seen. I've witnessed this, but the majority of people, it's not going to be the case. Everyone that's there in med school or usually like in the top of their class or did very well. I mean, and, and these people were grinding when they got to med school and studying. I mean, I, I did know someone that would sit there and watch all the lectures the night before the test, like on, on high speed. Mm. But that's just wow. how what? that was. He's a special individual. He'd sit there in the crowd, had his earphones in, just watch through everything. Like I think it was like two times speed and just absorb it. And but I mean, those aren't, you know, that's like saying everyone's going to go out and do a little bit. So he had some kind of photographic memory or some real, you know, he's a real audio, uh, he's a very, very aud- uh, auditory, right? Learned that guy? Whatever he had, man, he had something I didn't have. But. <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> but yeah, he was definitely blessed in that regard. There, there are a few people that you come across like that, but. For the majority of people, if you go in with the mindset, same mindset you may have had in college to just have fun and party and then try and just cram the night before, you're going to be destroyed. Mm, mm. Man, listeners, I hope you guys are hearing this, man, because he's talk- we're talking to uh, a, a doctor that, you know, everyone 
holds doctors in high regards. Why? Because they, uh, just like military, they offer a great service to the people and helping to sustain life and protect life uh, as we know it. And um, the rigorous uh, uh, studies that they have to go through. And, and I know studying never stops with, uh, with in, in medicine. There's always a new uh, uh, way of doing things, um, always finding new procedures and things of that nature to improve mm-hmm, medicine. Mm-hmm. So you're always constantly learning the body and new ways to impact the body. And um, so I, I'm, I hope we're, we're trying to let you see just a good picture of uh, really what it takes to, to get there. You know, what, what, what a life looks like, you know, from the perspective from uh, a doctor and how they have to really just re- be at a point of like, Hey, you know what? Um, not really worrying about the time it takes, but more so perfecting what they're learning so that they can serve the, the people of this world at a greater capacity, man. So yeah, we definitely appreciate you for, uh, Oh, doing, thank bro. you. Yeah. Definitely. And one thing I also just want to add this really important, I want to say for people to learn, uh, and I wish I had done this as early into your just educational training or career is to figure out best what type of learning oh, I'm you are. About to ask you. Uh, and, and I didn't, have a good grasp of that going into med school. And it's bad to say, I just felt that I, I didn't really, I mean, I, I studied in undergrad, but not a whole lot. And I found that I was able to, to do well. I was able to cram and get by. But then when I got to med school, what happened was I didn't really know what my studying style was because I'd never developed good study habits. Mm-hmm. And so the thing was, it was a struggle for me was because when I came in, then I'm now seeing everyone doing different things that have one friend that's doing these whole outlines of rewriting the lecture, basically the lectures in a whole different format. And so, you know, I'm like, hmm, maybe I need to be doing that. And I'll see another friend that's, you know, doing flashcards and I'm like, oh, hmm, maybe I should be doing that. So I spent a large part, especially first year, bouncing between doing what other people were, were doing and that it, you know, it would cost me, you know, I didn't do as, as well as I would have liked. Cause I was still trying to figure out the best study style for me. Um, interestingly enough too, you know, to add to that, I would say, don't let your standardized test score affect your confidence on how you will do in med school. Oh, wow. hmm. All right. For, so for example, there, I had a, a um, uh, a, a colleague in med school that had did much better in his MCAT, right? And he was very proud of his MCAT score. So we go into the first test, we start on the anatomy block. I mean, he had, the MCAT scoring is different now. So at that time he had over a 40, which is phenomenal. Um, and so he's really, you know, just a, a very proud guy. He, he failed the first test of med mm. school, right? And then my test score was, eh, you know, my MCAT scores in, but I got above the class average on my first test of med school. Okay. But that wasn't the case throughout the rest of med school. And looking back now, I kind of see part of what that was. So anatomy in comparison to the other classes, that is a very, you have, um, the written part of the test, but then after you have, you see, you have lectures two hours a day, then you go to the anatomy lab. So you spend the other two hours with your group, going through the body and you're, you know, you're dissecting your cadaver, right? 
The other classes, the rest of the courses throughout med school is you have your two hours of lecture and then you go in a small group, you do questions, you go through whatever it is, whether it's biochemistry, physiology, et cetera. I think what allowed me to do so well come from college um, to med school, even though I hadn't developed a good study style was, and I didn't even really know it at the time is I was more of a visual in, in kinesthetic learning. Yes. So for me, I did well on that anatomy block starting off that first, that first test was because in addition to the lectures, we're there going and doing the cadaver. So me dissecting and getting anatomy, like I just absorbed that. Right. Mm -hmm. And it was very, it was much harder when you're trying to do that from just getting a lecture and when you're doing a biochemistry class. Mm -hmm. And so for that individual that came in, he may not, not have been that type of learner. So me, he may not have done well, but I got above the class average because having that anatomy lab, that actual hands-on component helped me really absorb the other information, the information that was needed. And I did well. And it wasn't the case for that throughout the rest of med school because no other classes like that require such hands-on, mm. you know? And so it's, it's really good to, you know, some people work better looking at the slides is better, or some people look better actually just rewatching the lecture or some people just listening to it. So it's really good to kind of just figure out early on with this high school, college, what's the best way that you learn? Is it doing flashcards? Is it rewriting things? Is it rewatching the lecture? Um, and the earlier you do that, the much better you're going to do because you'll be able to hit the ground running with already not spending time that you need to be doing your time studying, spending that time trying to figure out how to study. You've been listening to the success journey show. You can check us out on our social media on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook. Also on our website, thesuccessjourneyshow.com. Enjoy the rest of the show. Man, yeah, I think that's, that's important. That, yeah. I think that's really important. Um, a summer, I did that with my kids. I did that, that test that you could, I got it offline, that you could just see what kind of learning style. And I was trying mm-hmm. to help them understand that not everyone learned the same way, just like you're saying. And I think a lot of parents should take that into consideration because they have one, one child that they're doing phenomenal. Mm-hmm. They're standardized mm-hmm. testing, they'll blow it away. Yep. And then another one, they're like, oh man, you can't, you, 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 can't, you, you can't spell rat. <laughs> you know <what> I'm <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But it's because they haven't tapped into the ability of that person. And that, 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 yep. that's so powerful. And I hope when people hear this, that they'll take that into consideration. And no matter how old they are, they'll um, apply that, 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 those fundamentals. Yeah. And that also ties into just realizing that how you do on your test or how you doing, or even just med school, the first two years of med school is, is coursework. Mm-hmm. And the next two years are your clinical work. I wouldn't say that there's really much, I don't feel there's much correlation at all between how someone does the first two years and how they do when they're on the wards. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. And if you, you can name off whatever diseases, et cetera, from a textbook during your first two years, it doesn't mean you're going to be a great surgeon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. you may not have the good spatial recognition. You may not have good hand-eye coordination. So just, it's very easy for people to get discouraged because the first year they may, how we had it, our scores, and they, we got the score immediately at the end of the test. And then when it popped up online later, 
it was either green, meaning above average, I think orange is below average, and then there's just red if you're failed, like your score was actually a certain color. So you can go through all, and you're like, man, all I'm seeing is orange. I'm, you know, below <laughs> below average, you know. <laughs> that doesn't affect at all how you're going to be a doctor. And I've seen some people that are very intelligent, and they don't even have the appropriate they don't have the social skills mm. either. Yeah, you know, yeah, so there's yeah, a lot yeah, of yeah, things yeah, yeah. that go into play in the doctor. It's so if you're in a procedural specialty, it's a hand-eye coordination, actual spatial recognition, actually, you know, this, the actual, um, you know, reaction time, those things go into play. There's also the, the social interaction. You got to be able to interact with other doctors. You got to be able to know how to talk to patients. You got to know how to deliver information, deliver bad news. And there's actual getting the knowledge. And the, the honest truth is getting the knowledge really is not, it's not necessarily how much you know, but being able to uh, how, but knowing how to get the information that you need. Okay. Mm-hmm. Especially in this day and age. Correct. What we, the, like Ricky had pointed out, there's so much new information that's coming about. What you learn in med school, then by the time years later in residency, you know, those things are changing. So it's not a matter of being able to just off the top of your head know every disease and how to treat everything. But if you know how to look up and, you know, whether search primary literature and to get the information to your to your problem, you're going to be in good hands there. You know, no one's expecting you to always just have the information off the top of your head. There's just way too much information. But if you know how to get access to information, that's fine. You can get the information, but can you actually care for the patient? Mm. You know, that can't, you can't just go online and just figure out how to care for the patient. You have to know the, how to properly diagnose to treat. You can get the information, but you also have to, to, talk with the patient, have good social skills. And you also have to, you know, if you're in a surgical procedure, especially you have to have the actual tactile skills. Mm, mm. Hey, you know what? I'm going to switch gears real quick, man, because for those yeah. that are out there in the, in the world, man, Earl has a very active Instagram page, Earl Campbell MD. So I, I encourage you to go out there and follow him <laughs> to see uh, a doctor, the real life, of uh, Dr. Earl here <laughs> in action. <laughs> but Earl, man, I, I, so I, I, I've had your page up, man. I was going through it, and there was a couple things I wanted to point out. One was you, you are, you have been, uh, you are the first black advanced endoscopy fellow at Yale. That is a huge, yeah. huge uh, honor, man. Like, like talk, talk, talk to us about that, man. What, what, is, what does it feel to be able to be able to say that you're the first uh, black male that has been in this program? Uh, it's, it's a great feeling. So right now in my general GI fellowship still right now, gastroenterology, hepatology. So um, in that program, I'm actually the, the second black male fellow in the whole, just the GI the history of the program. And then I matched to do starting from the year from 2019 to 2020, I'll be doing the advanced endoscopy fellowship and I'll be the first black fellow period, male or female. And I mean, it was, it's a, a great feeling. Mm. I was actually shocked. I didn't know until when I started my GI fellowship here that I was a second black male fellow. And what was shocking to me was that the current third year, one of the current third year fellows at that time when I started, yeah, he was the first, <laughs> he was the one that told me. Wow. And I was like, wow. I was like, you know, I'm starting 2016. He started two years before me. He was the first black male in the history of the program. Wow. And then when I tried back, I knew the other two. I'd met the other two black um, fellows in the past that were women. Mm -hmm. I was like, man, that's kind of crazy that I've known 
I know the four you know, or three other individuals that were all black fellows at Yale. And that just shows that, you know, we've come a, a good way, but we still have a long ways to go. Yeah, you know? yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and then um, being able to then go on and do the advanced fellowship and knowing that I'll be the first black fellow there um, in that capacity. It's, I don't know, it's really an honor. And at the same time, it just kind of, gives me additional motivation because one of the things that that motivates me on a regular basis is knowing that everything that I'm doing is not just reflective of me or my family, but it's reflective of of the African-American community as a whole and how you perform, how you act is can open or close doors mm. for other people mm. behind you. That's a big burden. <laughs> yeah. You know, and someone can easily be like, oh man, you know, and maybe consciously or subconsciously some people just say, Oh yeah, man, we had another guy that looked like him before <laughs> and he was just, you know, this person was just lazy, you know, dragging his feet, yeah. not doing what he to do. And then, you know, in the back of their minds, they're just like, you know, this probably this person isn't a good fit for our program. But if, you know, when they see another, they see that picture of another applicant that is black and the, you know, especially when there's only one or two that they've worked with before. Yeah. And they're like, man, you know what? That guy, we had another African-American guy and he was on top of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're going to have that positive association. And you you open the door for someone else behind you. Yeah. Um, so I just felt, you know, I wouldn't necessarily say it was a burden. It was kind of a, a honor, you know, uh, to everything that I do. You know, I, I really try and make sure that uh, I just do my best at it. Because I know that that people are watching. Yeah, 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 yeah. Nah, that's huge, man. That's huge. I, I'm glad you expounded on it, man, because, you know, just in, in spaces in general, when you start going up in careers and higher levels, it's, it's not as diverse as it should be, whether it's African-American, whether it's um, women in general, whatever, no matter what uh, race uh, it is, yeah. uh, whether it's Latino, um, Hispanic, um, just all those different things. It, it, it lacks diversity when you start growing, growing higher and higher in leadership and just seeing the people that are pioneering the ways there to build those pathways for those that come behind, man. It's huge. It's a huge burden. Yeah. But at the same time, it's a huge honor. And, and it's also an exciting journey. Exciting definitely. Journey. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah. Um, do you have, uh, or do you have any, um, mentor or coaches that you, you know, keep, keep to keep you honest, be accountability partner? Uh, from a career, career standpoint? Correct. Um, I, have, uh, I have a couple of mentors, more than one people that I'll say are mentors that I have uh, reached out to along the way. Um, there was an African-American physician at Hopkins at the same time I was at Maryland. When I was a fourth-year med student, I went and did an away rotation there. I met him, and he wrote a letter for me for residency. And um, even when I was putting together my rank list for match for fellowship, I went over there and reviewed it with him. Because uh, I actually, in terms of advanced endoscopy, I know a handful of Black advanced endoscopists in this country. Um, and so having someone that was a gastroenterologist is also African-American. Um, you know, it was, it was good to have that have that that role model and there's also just other individuals i have here at yale that i've done research with that um if i have questions that i can just reach out to but having a um 
a mentor is is very important. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. Hey, one other question I want to ask you: Verified healthcare, verified healthcare, man. I saw this yeah. campaign, and I saw a lot of doctors out there on the social media, you yeah. know, joining this campaign, saying they're verified uh, health. Uh, it, does this have to do anything with that? That doctor kid, man, that was that was practicing. <laughs> down, in Florida. down in Florida, Doctor Doctor Love, Doctor Love, Doctor yeah. Love. yo, <laughs> that dude, yo, but how did he pull it off so long? I don't know, man. I don't know how he fooled so many people for so long. And had, he had an office and everything. <laughs> then I, th- I thought he got um caught up. Yes, twice. He, yeah. two separate occasions. <laughs> yeah, man, that's the truest definition of you know. <laughs> Take it till you make it. He didn't make it though. But. Hey, but he died. He probably diagnosed a couple people, right? I guess. <laughs> I don't know about that. Like, we'll guess what time will tell. Yeah, but no, there was no relation to to that. Uh, it was more so just on Instagram. Um, there are individuals out there that re- misrepresent themselves, mm-hmm. and uh, there's a growing number of users of social media that use social media or, or get health information from social okay. media. And so um, it's important that people know who they're actually getting their information from. Mm, okay. um, and in medicine tends to be very um, old school. You know, they're always a little bit behind in terms of catching up with the, t- the times. And we're now starting to see a rise of, uh, physicians on social media. Yeah, yeah. I think it's important because you'll always be having people distributing health information on social media. This is a matter of, you know, there's the older school physicians that feel like, Oh, we shouldn't be doing this on social media, but it's a matter of if we don't do it, Ooh. then who are you letting to drive, lead it, mm. drive the yeah, narrative, yeah, 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 yeah. you know? So if you don't, then you're going to have these other individuals that aren't qualified driving the narrative. And it's up to us to provide correct information out yeah. there, you know? Yeah. Um, wow. Uh, so I, it's just it's important in that regard. But no, that's good. Yeah, no, Dr. Love wasn't involved, <laughs> you know. Uh, I'm really curious now. Where, what's his kind of status? I think, he's, I, think he, I think he's in some big trouble. You know, me, uh, I'll tell you, Earl, you know, being Jamaican, you know, I'd ask my grandmother, I'd come and I'd have like five cuts in my head. My stomach would be inside out. And, <laughs> and, just yeah, and, 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 and my grandmother would be like, hey, just drink some Cersei. <laughs> you'll be all right and it worked too, yeah it, it did it worked it did it worked it did she go cut she cut some bushes outside and put it in the pot and boil it up and i drank it and i was running around in the yard again <laughs> hey they say they say if you never go to the doctor the hospital you never get diagnosed <laughs> <laughs> There's these people that come to the hospital like 80 years old. They're like, what do you mean? I have high blood pressure, diabetes, cancer. They'd be like, I'm fine, so I came here. Like, you weren't fine. You just didn't know that you weren't fine. We're just telling you this. We've been here. Oh, man. Well, Earl, man, man, this has been a great conversation. I know it's going to be uh, one of many. You know, really appreciate you just jumping on and um, just sharing your story with the world, man. You share so many nuggets and so many different aspects of your life and your journey. And I know that, you know, you're still on your quest to 
finish up your 16 years <laughs> of study. <laughs> Why are you stressing 16? He made it seem like I did a good, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> By year, got a year and a half left. Right? Yeah, a year and a half right, left. Writing on the walls. Yeah, yeah 2020 is going to be an amazing year, man. 2020. Everyone's looking forward well, to like it. I'm, like I'm penning letters. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> wait, wait for me. Wait for me. Wait for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so man, definitely appreciate you, man. Like, so I know I did mention your Instagram page. Man. Are there any other pl- places that in- anyone can find anything about about you or connect with you, or is that your your the best way of um following? Yeah, Instagram. I you I utilize Instagram the most. I also have um, the same handle for Twitter. It's you know Earl Campbell MD. So uh, feel free to. Slide in the DM as long as it is, <laughs> you know, career related. <laughs> I just don't, I don't really want those types of problems. So. <laughs> no, man, I love it, man. I remember Earl did one thing one time. It's an Instagram. You can ask a question. And uh, you had some really good questions, man, come at you. Man, and some great responses to those questions to some younger uh, um, students or people that are in, the, in med school and things of that nature, or just had questions about um, the medical journey um, and the studies in that nature. So yeah, man, take advantage of it, man. He's, he's here. He's available. He's really trying to Oh, <laughs> I mean, oh, wait a minute. Yeah. You got to word, word that correctly. He is not available. Yeah. <laughs> that way. So he's going to listen to podcasts like, yeah, yeah. He's like, what in the world? No, he's available to answer questions about the medical field for you. Not himself, personally. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, man, we really, really thank you. And um, we thank all of our listeners for, for, ch- for chiming in. Uh, this podcast, uh, we were recording early, so it probably will be released. You guys will probably be hearing this around Christmas time, actually, right before right before Christmas. So for all those that are out there shopping and getting ready for Christmas, you know, we uh, hope that you are, you know, being safe, not spending too much money. Yep. And, spend what uh, you got. Spend what yeah, you got. Spend what you have and that you are enjoying this uh, Christmas holiday. So we're going to sign off now and say thank you for listening to another episode of the success journey show and we will see you or we'll be with you again not see you we'll, we'll be with you again <laughs> next week at the same How'd time <laughs> all right peace right. everyone one love you've been listening to the success journey show where your dreams drive determination and diligence are the foundation to success for more information check out the success journey show.com the journey squad is here helping you to your destination 